Why do we celebrate Labor Day? Labor means work. That's right, but this is supposed to be a day of not working. It's a holiday, so nobody works. Well, many people don't work. I'm glad you asked about this, Micah. Maybe we can gather up your friends for a fun trip about labor in America. That new museum just opened where they take you on a train ride through part of history. But before you go, you should really do your chores. Okay, Mom. But why does it seem like I have to do so much work every day? Hmm. Well, after today's trip, let's see how you feel about the amount of work you have to do around here. Hi, I'm Heidi Illion, your host at Brilliant Mornings. It's good to be back after a summer-long break. A lot has happened in my family, and I'm sure in yours as well. I hope you join us in this new school year as we celebrate curiosity and ignite a passion for learning. We focus on history and science while following the story of a group of children who adventure together, the Pizza and Poetry Group. Today, this group of friends will take a special trip through history to discover a wee little bit about James Watt's steam engine, which gave power to factories and mines in the Industrial Revolution. In Europe and America, people streamed into the cities to work long hours and factories at tough jobs. Labor Day was created to celebrate workers across America. Sit back and enjoy the train ride today. Hang on to your hats, called a burly conductor as the steam train lurched forward. The pizza and poetry group kids had embarked on a come-alive history train ride. They had no idea what to expect, but the conductor had said they would travel through history and meet people who were part of the story of Labor Day. Conversation among the children centered on work. I always work hard, said Jack. Me too, Jonathan added. My huge muscles help me to pull heavy loads, added Teo. Grace chimed in. I work really hard with my schoolwork. There are lots of ways to work hard. My mom always says that when you work hard in the beginning, you have lots of fun at the end. Hey everyone, called Claire. I have our first poem about labor. Do you know who works hard in nature? Buzz, buzz, buzz. This is the song of the bee. His legs are yellow, a jolly good fellow, and yet a great worker is he. In days that are sunny, he's getting his honey. In days that are cloudy, he's making his wax. On pinks and on lilies, and gay daffodillies and columbine blossoms he loves attacks. Buzz, 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 the sweet-smelling clover. He, humming, hangs over. The scent of the roses makes fragrant his wings. He never gets lazy from thistle and daisy and weeds of the meadow, some treasure he brings. Buzz, 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 from the morning's first light till the coming of night, he's singing and toiling the summer day through. Oh, we may get weary and think work is dreary. Tis harder by far to have nothing to do. Everyone cheered. This poem is called The Song of the Bee by Marion Douglas, Claire explained. Suddenly, a man's voice interrupted the clapping. Excellent poem. Without hard work, nothing great would ever be done. Oh, hello, laddies and lassies. James Watt here. You may have heard of me. 
I worked very hard studying and conducting experiments. Actually, I homeschooled when I was a wean. Eventually, I developed a powerful version of the steam engine in 1776, right around the time that America was becoming its own country. Hey, Mr. Watt, are you twinsies with George Washington? You look just like him. Twinsies? Is this an American term? Nor, nor, me laddie. That rebel from across the pond. Nor, I'm from Scotland. I might live at the same time as George Washington, but we are certainly not family. Ah, here, if you look out the window now, you will see a huge coal mine. Coal is that black rock you can burn to make a fire. The British people began digging lots of coal up in my day. They did not have enough wood to burn, so instead they used coal to make fires and especially to fuel machines like my steam engine. Take a look. You can see my steam engine there. It has that round part that looks like a huge wagon wheel. It's helping to remove water on top of the coal. And there, do you see all of those beautiful factories? I see a cotton factory, and there's a paper mill and a flour mill. Iron mills, distilleries, canals, waterworks. My engine helped give power to all of these. It only got better as I made changes to it. Excuse me, Mr. Watt? What did people do in England when they didn't have steam engines? Well, for example, it used to be that people would make fabric from hand. It took very long time to weave cloth to make clothing for the whole family. But with my steam engine powering these new weaving machines, one factory produces clothes for everyone in town in a day or two. This is the Industrial Revolution. People stop making things by hand and instead machines do the work much faster in factories. Now lots of people go to work in the factories. It's just splendid. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Watt. A thin balding man with a mustache tapped Mr. Watt's shoulder. Cheers, everyone. I'm Matthew McGuire, an American, and yes, I can see how you think the factories are splendid. They made items very quickly, and the English factory owners could make lots of money, and England became quite rich and powerful in the world. The whole world was changed when the machines and factories moved to continental Europe and the United States. All of a sudden, everyone was moving to the cities and working in factories. But do you know how hard the factory workers had to labor? Not to mention the coal mines. Take a look out the window. The train tour now rode right into the middle of a coal mine. The pizza and poetry kids looked all around them in the dark, dingy, underground mine. They saw men, women, and children in rags, soaking wet, digging up coal with shovels and other tools. Children crouched down in tiny spaces to find coal. They carried buckets of coal from under the ground up out of the mine on rickety ladders. One child wandered onto the train with a bucket of coal. Good day. 
I'm Fanny. Call for sale, she called in a thin and raspy voice. Little Fanny looked like she was only about seven or eight years old. Her clothes were ripped and stained with black spots and her face smudged with dirt streaks. She looked tired and very skinny. Fanny, said Grace, are you hungry? Here's some of my lunch you can share. Thank you. Fanny gobbled up the peanut butter and jelly sandwich with a look of pure joy on her face. Never had she tasted something so delicious. I've been working since five in the morning and haven't had a chance to eat yet, she mumbled between bites. Are you almost done working? asked Jack, frowning. Done? No. Got to keep going till six. I shouldn't have stopped. I might get in trouble. Are they paying you a lot of money for this? asked Claire, looking at the scrapes on Fanny's arms. Money? Never got any of that. They just give me a place to sleep and some food and clothes, and in return I walk in the mine. This is horrible, gasped Peyton. When do you play or have fun with your family? When do you read books? Read? Can't read. No time for school. No time to play. My family is pretty poor, so I couldn't stay with them. Instead, I live and work here. The children felt horrible for Fanny, so they collected all the money they had and bought the coal from her. Her jaw dropped when she saw the coins in her hand. I've never seen this coin. It must be worth a good deal. Thank you, she called, running back to the mine with her bucket, her curly hair bouncing as she disappeared underground. The train ride continued, but no one spoke as they thought about Fanny and her tough life. As you can see, Matthew McGuire continued speaking, the workers in these factories suffer. They labor in dirty and unhealthy places with unclean air. They get hurt often. They work sometimes 14 hours a day, never seeing the sun on their faces. Many of the children aren't paid at all for their work. They are trapped here since they signed a contract. Factories in the United States are also tough places to work. Children, women, and men work all day long and make barely enough money to survive. They get hurt often and fall sick. At this moment, the train started across a huge body of water. Ah, now we cross the Atlantic Ocean to New Jersey, my home. I'm a machinist here in the late 1800s, about 100 years after James Watt lived. The children looked around, and James Watt had disappeared. Now the train was pulling through a factory town in New Jersey. I'm working hard to get laws passed that will protect workers in America. They should not have to work six days a week and 14 hours per day. Let's make it only eight hours of working every day. Then he smiled. And I've come up with a special treat for all the workers. A holiday. I sent out announcements inviting workers to a special parade we will have in New York City on September 5th, 1882. Actually, that's today. And, oh, excuse me, there's my carriage now. I must be going. Please enjoy the parade, everyone. It's about to begin. Matthew McGuire hopped out of the train as it rounded a bend in New York City, screeching to a halt. He climbed into the carriage at the front of the parade as people waved and called out to him. Thousands of people cheered as the parade began and speeches were made praising workers for their hard labor that made America so strong and prosperous. Suddenly the train ride began again and the delightful scene of the parade quickly fell behind. Actually, everyone, said a deep voice, that special holiday was my idea. Everyone turned to see a man with dark eyebrows and a mustache in a suit. I'm Peter J. McGuire, 
And I am the one who urged the government in setting aside one day a year for Labor Day. I thought a huge street parade would just be lovely. We could honor the toilers of the earth and pay homage to those who from rude nature have delved and carved all the comfort and the grandeur we behold. Suddenly a woman on the train yelled, Nonsense! It was Matthew McGuire who came up with the parade idea. He's the founder of Labor Day. Rubbish. It was Peter McGuire, said a boy in the back of the train. To the children's shock, they started to fight. Maguire! McGuire! Maguire! McGuire! The pair continued arguing for quite some time. Ah, yes, our children fight about this lots, Peter continued. You know, I was with President Grover Cleveland on June 28th, 1894, when he signed the legislation making Labor Day a national holiday. Labor Day is celebrated the first Monday of every September. At this moment, a husky, serious-looking man with a white mustache entered the train car. McGuire, congratulations on a job well done. A cause worth fighting for is worth fighting for to the end. I hope Labor Day will show American workers how important they are to our country. He shook Mr. McGuire's hand and briskly walked out the back door of the car. That was him, President Cleveland. You know, he even gave a present to my friend, the special pen that he wrote with when he made Labor Day a holiday. I think this proves that I came up with the idea for Labor Day. But on second thought, Perhaps because our names are so similar, he thought I, McGuire, was Matthew Maguire? We will never know. Wow, Mom, I guess I don't really have that much work to do compared to the kids back then. That's definitely true. Just wait until the next part of this adventure, though. You'll get to work with some of the children laborers in the 1900s. They actually do make a little money, unlike Fanny today. Now, I have some mental work for you to do while waiting for the next part of the trip. If there are 24 hours in a day and factory workers worked 14 of them, how many hours did they not have to work? And one more, if children worked 12 hours in a 24-hour day, what percent of the day did they work? Remember, percent means how much out of 100. 12 is half of 24, so you need to find out what is half of 100. That will be the percent. Fifty is half of one hundred, so the answer will be fifty percent. Good work today, everyone. Believe it or not, creating Labor Day did not actually solve problems for workers. Children and adults still worked long days at dangerous jobs for many decades after this in America. Join us next time when the pizza and poetry kids will get to work in some factories in America in the 1900s. They will experience firsthand how many children spent their days, and they just might solve the mystery of the stranger who keeps appearing at different factories dressed as someone different.
This podcast was produced by Heidi Illion with intro and outro music by Matt Gray Carr. Special guest today was Micah.